Following the killing of George Floyd at the hands of police, online payments giant PayPal announced it will invest $500 million in black and minority businesses. The company is also spending $30 million for PayPal's diversity programs and grants for nonprofits and Black-owned businesses. I'm Ben Fox Rubin, and this is your Daily Charge. So joining me now is Dan Schulman, the CEO of PayPal. Dan, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Ben. Pleasure to be here with you. This is not the first time PayPal has stood up for minorities. In 2016, the company canceled its plans to build a 400-person office in North Carolina after the state passed an anti-transgender law. In 2018, the company banned conspiracy theory site InfoWars. It followed up by banning the social site Gab for hosting anti-Semitic posts. So it, PayPal does payments. It moves around money. Okay, so why get involved in these political issues? I read that you got death threats after North Carolina. So my first question is, is this backlash worth it? Well, I, my mom asked me the same question, uh, Ben, after I got all of those uh, death threats. And, um, you know, what I told her um, and what we talk about inside the company is that, you know, values are fundamental to how somebody defines themselves, how a company defines themselves. Um, and so um, you have to act on your values. Values can't just be words on a wall. Uh, otherwise, they're just propaganda. You have to live them. You have to act them out. Um, and you have to demonstrate them uh, visibly. Um, and that's what we've done consistently. I think the internet can be a somewhat lawless place. And I think as a uh, platform that moves, you know, billion plus transactions every single month, we need to assure that uh, those transactions live up to our acceptable use policy. And that is we don't tolerate hatred, uh, violence, or any kind of racial intolerance uh, on our platform. And we try to, uh, to stand up for that. Uh, and we try to stand up for our number one value as a company, which is inclusion. Um, and so that's something that we will consistently do uh, and never stop doing. Tell me about your plans for the new investment fund. Well, I would say, first of all, um, we spent a lot of time post the tragic death of the George Floyd talking inside the company because like the rest of the country, it unleashed uh, a torrent of emotion you know, despair, and also determination uh, inside uh, our company. Um, you know, and this was throughout our company, but most acutely felt by our Black colleagues. And so we had a lot of conversations about, like, what, what does Black Lives Matter mean uh, in today's uh, environment? And so we did a lot of listening, a lot of learning. We talked to a diversity and inclusion community inside PayPal called Amplify. It's for our Black colleagues. I spoke to all of them, to their leadership. Uh, we spoke to Black leaders across the country to think about how might we respond. Because obviously we responded right away by condemning, you know, any acts of, uh, of overt systemic racism. But I think you need to do more than just condemn racism 
You need to be what we call, and I think we probably stole this from somebody, anti-racist. And what anti-racist means to us, at least, is that you have to be part of the fight. You need to stand up and be involved. You can't just say words. You have to uh, create actions. And um, we had seen that a lot of people were, you know, giving, you know, half a million, million dollars to charities and, uh, you know, to organizations that fight the good fight on the ground. And we thought that was important for us to do as well. But we thought really we needed to, to do much more than that. Um, and so uh, we announced um, that we were supporting this uh, movement against systemic racism, uh, really focused on trying to do something that was that we distinctively could help, which is kind of look at what the racial wealth gap is. Uh, and the racial wealth gap today is basically the same as it was back in the last civil rights movement back in the uh, late 1960s. So there really has been no improvement. And so we decided to make a major commitment, $530 million, um, some of it more short-term oriented. That's the $30 million you referenced uh, up front but also put in place a very substantial amount of money to help over the long term. Because at some point, you know, the marches start to fade away, but the problem still exists. And we wanted to demonstrate um, and maybe even inspire others that this was something that we needed to to be involved in over the long run. Well, how quickly do you think that money will be invested? So it's $500 million, it's not a small amount. So are you talking over the course of five years, 10 years, the first year? What's your expectation? Well, let me talk about just how quickly uh, the first 30 million uh, went. 10 million of that was grants that we were gonna give to black owned businesses because black owned businesses uh, over the last three months during COVID-19 some 41% of them have gone out of business. That's double the rate of all other uh, small businesses. And as you probably know, Black-owned businesses also have a much more difficult time getting traditional lending. Uh, even during good times, uh, the amount of financing they can raise, whether it be equity financing or just loans, is much lower uh, than the national average. But in this time, it's practically impossible for them to get a, a loan. And so what we said is we're going to give $10 million in grants. These aren't loans. These are grants to Black-owned small businesses that need cash now. It's just a matter of survival for them. Now, we can't fix the whole problem. We, you know, we're only one company. But, but what we can do is make a very a significant uh, first step and hopefully inspire others. And from the time we announce this to the time that money will be flowing from that $10 million, and we've had over 55,000 applications for that $10 million, um, will be less than two weeks. So we want to do this, you know, in a thoughtful, measured way so it has the maximum amount of impact, but we want to start moving on it. ASAP. You talk about uh, how the wealth gap hasn't really shifted much in, in years, if not decades. So uh, another persistent problem that, that I've written about since being a tech reporter, and granted that's only about five years, is this issue of tech companies repeatedly promising to hire more minorities, support more black workers, 
And unfortunately, so many of those initiatives have failed over the years. So now there are all these new programs, all these new initiatives, all this new funding being announced by Apple, Amazon, Google, many, many others. Do you think things are different this time? And do you think that enough attention will go to recruiting and retaining black workers, engineers, and managers? No, I think that's a great question, Ben. You know, it's a question like, is this a moment or is this a movement? Um, and I think that is, uh, you know, something that uh, uh, I've been talking to a lot of uh, black leaders about across the uh, country. That's why I think it's really important that these aren't just one-time grants that are given or something like that, that these are multi-year commitments. And I'm seeing some companies step up to multi-year uh, commitments. Um, you know, there's a, there's a great quote, I think, that came from uh, Justin Trudeau's dad uh, that goes something like, diversity is a fact, but inclusion is a choice. And um, I love that quote. And this is really a choice um, that every company makes. Now, here's the interesting thing. And it's the reason why diversity and inclusion is the top value at PayPal is when you have a more diverse workforce, you perform better. And there's like one study after another that shows that. And I think, you know, there are some very simple things that can be done right away. Like there's almost, I can't think of any excuse not to go do it. There's like equal pay across gender and ethnicity. Like an out, you should bring in an outside firm to audit you and just make sure that that's happening. It's complicated. You got to look at years of experience where, you know, location, but these things can be done. And like when I first came into the company, the first thing the lawyers told me is, don't ask that question, um, you know, because it's complicated. And, and I was like, no, that's actually the question I want to ask. And when we got back the information, we weren't paying equally. And then, you know, there's this multi-million dollar number and people are like, you know, well, you could address it over, you know, two or three years. And I was like, well, why don't we just like address it over the next week or two um, and get it done? Um, and so now four years in a row, we've done that. By the way, huge competitive advantage in recruiting diverse candidates. And, you know, I don't know what percentage of the U.S. is white male, but if that's all the pool that you're fishing in for great talent, you're missing out on so much incredible talent in the marketplace that can add to the mix and how you think about your market and the products that you're developing and the, uh, and the tech that you're putting into place. And so I think, um, you know, we have a long way to go as every single company does, because I think this is an ongoing thing. But right now today, PayPal is 57% diverse. Our VP and above is 54% diverse. That includes, you know, women and ethnic minorities, you know, as part of that overall mix. And by the way, our board, 50% diverse. And when I first came on, it was 10% diverse. And I said to our NOM and Gov committee, you know what? We are the symbol of what this company is, is going to be. And if it's about diversity inclusion, we need to be at least 50% diverse. Um, and so I think this idea of committing to being diverse companies, by the way, shouldn't be like this 
unbelievable gesture. You actually are just more competitive if you go and do that. And so that really should be, you know, jacks are better in the game uh, of being competitive in the marketplace. It happens to be a great thing, but it also happens to be a great thing for any company that does that. And that's what gives me hope that this becomes more ingrained and not a one-time thing because it's in a company's best interest to go and do that. So if you had a guess, and and I would say that we're still in the very early innings of the activism that's been unleashed since George Floyd's death, but if you could guess, going back to what you had said, whether this is a a moment or a movement, what what would your expectation be? I think for whatever reason, and maybe it's also because we live in this time of COVID-19, where people are more reflective, they're spending more time at home, they're thinking about things probably in a more deep fashion than before, like where is the meaning of different things? And, and this has tapped into the consciousness uh, of the country. And um, I think the key is to take advantage of this moment, whether it be uh, nonprofits, Uh, organizations that fight for social justice and the private sector to really step up with programs and resources that aren't just for the moment, but that are, you know, multi-year in nature. Because I think as with everything, things need to start tipping and then they hit a tipping point and then they keep moving. And I think we've had uh, a reason for us to start that momentum. And, and I think if we can just keep moving on it, it'll, it'll start swinging. Um, but I think, um, to your point, it's still very early, but I'm, I'm hopeful that we will be able to address at least parts of systemic racism and that each company does what they're uniquely able to go do. PayPal, as you mentioned, we're a financial services company. You know, we can focus on things like Black-owned businesses, minority-owned businesses, thinking about what the racial wealth gap looks like. How do we create wealth in communities that are underserved? You know, we have products and services, Ben, that do that. Like, if I look at our working capital, you know, we're one of the top five providers of working capital to small businesses in the country. Um, And not that many people know that. We've done over $15 billion. Here's the interesting thing. 70% of those loans go to the 30% of counties where, you know, uh, 10 or more banks um, have closed branches. So, uh, and where do banks close branches? In neighborhoods where the medium income is below the national average. And so we lend quite disproportionately to minority-owned businesses and women-owned businesses versus traditional banks. But that is kind of the promise of what you can do um, with Uh, technology that doesn't necessarily just look at uh, typical bureau scores or credit scores, but looks at a number of other things to ascertain uh, credit worthiness. And um, I'm I'm really proud of that product and uh, how it's helped in those neighborhoods and communities that most need it. 
So, so you actually started to answer, and, and thank you for that. You started to answer my next question, which is talking about cashless services. So I'm not trying to beat up too much on Amazon Go here, but Amazon Go has kind of become this, this poster child of how cashless services can discriminate against people without bank accounts, people that um, don't, don't have credit cards. A lot of those folks are minorities. Uh, and you wrote in 2018 that, let me, let me quote this, managing and moving money should be a right for all citizens, not that just, just the privilege of the wealthy. So in addition to what you just talked about with working capital, how is PayPal making sure that unbanked and lower income people aren't left out of the new digital economy? Look, there was an economic crisis that was going on well before COVID-19 happened. Something like 185 million adults in the U.S. struggled to make ends meet at the end of the month before COVID-19. You know, something like, I think it was 54% of all Americans have less than $400 of savings. Um, and so, and, and those who are underserved by the traditional financial system, that's something like 70 million adults, they spend about 10% of their disposable income on what I would consider to be unnecessarily high fees and high interest rates. And that uh, last year was something like $160 billion that they spent on that. I think about that. It's just astonishing to me that just to do simple managing and moving of money, like cashing a check or paying a bill or sending money to somebody you love, can cost 2 to 5% on a cash, 8 to 12% on an international remittance, you know, $10 just to send a bill. This is ridiculous. And, you know, you can do things at half that cost, maybe 20% of that cost if you do them electronically. And what I think is going to happen uh, over time is that everybody will eventually have a mobile phone. And in fact, mobile phones are disproportionately penetrated in lower income uh, populations. Why is that? Because it's the only device that they use. They don't have desktops or you know iPads. They can't afford that, but they can't afford a mobile phone. And a mobile phone gives you all the power of a bank branch in the palm of your hands. And if we can link payment platforms like PayPal to these mobile phones and turn cashiers into places where you can put money into those mobile phones if you only have cash. And now, Ben, because all retail stores are going to start to, to uh, accept contactless payments, like, you know, we're rolling out QR codes in a pretty massive way right now. Once you have money inside your platform and inside your mobile phone, not only can you become part of the digital economy, but you don't need to wait in lines anymore. You don't have to pay excessive fees. And to me, this isn't the only solution to financial inclusion and helping financial wealth creation, but it is a big step. And I think there is something inherent in using technology to help with that wealth gap uh, and that digital divide um, that's happening right now. And I can see a way of using platforms like PayPal and Venmo uh, to enable that. We're seeing that, by the way, the government being able to send directly to your Venmo or 
uh, PayPal account as opposed to mailing a check to you, you know, I, I mean, think about the difference between those two things. One, it happens immediately. Two, you don't need to leave your house and stand in line at a cash checking location and then pay a fee to that cash checker to get money to be able to use something with that check. It's just, it's so much more efficient and saves time uh, as well and safer. Uh, so, so many reasons why I think this could be part of the solution at least. So I, I know people are going to watch this and think this. So I want to ask you this it's, and it's, can customers trust PayPal? Um, you know, what would you say to folks who would claim that you're just trying to bring in more customers in the door w- with these types of services? Well, I think um, a trust comes from experience. Uh, you know, it used to be that trust was something that companies tried to, uh, to do through imagery uh, in Madison Avenue. You know, like this is who we are. But really today, trust comes from uh, interacting with a company, you know. Um, and, um, you know, for 20 years now, PayPal has stood for, you know, shop without sharing your personal information, you know, so security, you know, when you shop with PayPal, you know, it's safe, it's fast, it's easy. There are other services you can use that are much less expensive, like our Zoom international remittance service costs one third of what it would do to, to use one of the traditional international remittance services. And so, you know, we try to um, demonstrate day in and day out who we are as a company, what we stand for as a company. And I think, um, you know, when I look at market research, one market research study after another, and I look at the trust that people have in PayPal versus maybe financial institutions, uh, other tech companies, I think a lot of it comes from inherently, you know, what our products do, but two, what our values are uh, as a company. We don't share information. You know, we don't sell your information. We're not, you know, trying to uh, uh, capitalize off of your information. We're literally trying to make things safer, faster, more secure, and more efficient uh, for customers and do so in a way that, um, enables uh, us to respect each of our customers and respect the values that uh, all of us at PayPal hold. And I think the other really important thing, Ben, is our employees inside PayPal, we have the same values for them. Like, you know, I've made every one of them a shareholder of PayPal. Um, We've cut the cost of benefits uh, by 60%, you know, for our call center workers and for our entry-level employees. And we've basically taking their net disposable income, how much money they have after they pay taxes and the essential expenses. And we are on a trajectory to move that from, call it five to 6% to almost 20%, which is a place where our employees can feel financially healthy. They all are now signing up for health insurance. They don't have to make trade-offs. And I think when you have passionate um, financially secure employees, then they, that's the foundation for taking care of customers and, and being a customer champion, which is kind of in the ethos of our company. So hopefully we'll, we'll live that day in and day out. We can always uh, improve and we will improve, um, but, but we are really focused on being a, a customer champion. 
Thanks for your time, Dan. If you have any questions, tag us at The Daily Charge on Twitter. For The Daily Charge, I'm Ben Fox Rubin, and thanks for listening.